You're listening to Precinct 444, a podcast network from the National Law Enforcement Museum. Today we're bringing you an episode from the Encore series, where we revisit past museum programs and conversations. Welcome back to another exciting program revisit on the Encore show. This three-part series features Operation Shadow Game, how the DEA broke the Tijuana Cartel, which originally aired back in 2016. The program features four federal agents involved in taking down the Tijuana Cartel during a seizure of a drug smuggling vessel in 2006. Part one begins with opening remarks by former CEO Craig Floyd, brief introductions from the panelists, followed by an overview of the topic ahead by moderator Nathan Jones, specifically the three themes covered in the program. And now for part one of Operation Shadow Game, how the DEA broke the Tijuana Cartel. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome everyone. I'm Craig Floyd. I'm the president and CEO of the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, and we're the host for tonight's event. Um, This is our 13th in a series we call Witness to History. And basically, this is where the actual law enforcement professionals who are involved in historic cases uh, get to tell us their story. And we get to hear firsthand accounts from the men and women that are involved in these cases. It's always a fascinating discussion, and tonight uh, will be no different. We call tonight's program Operation Shadow Game, how the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, took down the Tijuana Cartel, uh, a vicious uh, drug cartel in Mexico. A couple thank yous I want to offer as we begin tonight's program. I want to first thank our longtime sponsor of the Witness to History series, and that is Target Corporation. And we have Mahogany Yellow here representing Target. Thank you, Mahogany. We also have uh, uh, a number of folks uh, that are here, many of you, uh, repeat uh, visitors to these events. And I appreciate that very much because your continued interest and support uh, really Uh, is why we do these events. Uh, There's obviously great interest in it. Uh, We film every event that we do. So not only are the folks uh, here tonight live to hear uh, the the panelists, but also we put it in our permanent archives for the National Law Enforcement Museum. It'll be on our website in just a few days. So you can encourage your friends, colleagues, uh, family members to go to our website, lawmemorial.org and you can find uh, this particular film uh, and encourage people to listen to it. I think it's going to be fascinating. I also want to thank our friends here at the U.S. Navy Memorial. Uh, They're a longtime partner and friends of ours. Uh, They have that beautiful memorial outside for those that served in the United States Navy. They have this fabulous uh, theater that we've been able to take advantage of many, many times, uh, and we're very appreciative of them uh, allowing us that opportunity. Um, I also want to thank the Drug Enforcement Administration in particular uh, for helping us share this important story of how DEA agents uh, and others uh, took down the most vicious uh, Mexican drug cartel. Um, And it's a a story that I think uh, is almost beyond belief when you hear some of the facts uh, associated with it. Um, But it's uh, something that... uh, the citizens of this nation need to hear more of what our law enforcement professionals do uh, behind the scenes uh, when nobody's looking, 
when the cameras aren't on them, uh, the amazing work that they do, the, uh, the difficulties, the dangers of the job that they have to deal with. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we put on these events on a regular basis. Little background for those of you that may be new to the Memorial Fund uh, and the National Law Enforcement Museum. Uh, our organization, a nonprofit, was formed in 1984. At that time, our express purpose was to build a national monument, a memorial honoring those men and women who serve uh, in American law enforcement and pay a special tribute to those who died in the line of duty. That memorial was dedicated in 1991. It's located just a couple blocks from here, a place called Judiciary Square. It's the 400 block between 4th and 5th on E and F Streets Northwest. Uh, and there is a subway stop there for those that maybe haven't been there yet. It's on the red line. Uh, you get off at Judiciary Square and you come right up into the memorial grounds. Um, this is our 25th anniversary year for the memorial. So it's a milestone. Yes, a very important one. And on the walls of that memorial are the names of 20,538 law enforcement professionals, federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial, who have made the ultimate sacrifice dating back to the first death in 1791. Uh, this year, uh, as we do every year, unfortunately, we have to add new names to that memorial. On May 13th at our annual candlelight vigil, we'll be adding 252 new names to the memorial. 124 of those officers died just last year. Uh, the others earlier in history, and thanks to our researchers, uh, we've been able to uncover their stories and honor them appropriately. One of the names on that memorial is Enrique uh, Kiki Camarena. Uh, he was a DEA agent who was kidnapped, tortured, and murdered by a Mexican drug cartel in 1985. Um, and it was his death that triggered major changes, really, in uh, the way international drug investigations have been conducted since. Uh, and a lot of what happened to Kiki Camarena, uh, we're going to hear about tonight in terms of how it changed uh, uh, subsequent investigations. And uh, a lot of that had a major impact on the case we'll be discussing here this evening. I also want to encourage all of you, if you can, join us during uh, National Police Week this year. Uh, our major events uh, begins on May 12th with the welcoming of the Police Unity Tour, approximately 2 p.m. at the Memorial uh, on May 12th. Uh, we'll have our annual candlelight vigil, as I mentioned, on May 13th. And then, of course, the Peace Officers Memorial Day service on May 15th, Sunday this year, uh, over at the U.S. Capitol. So just some of the events. Go to our website. You can see a full schedule of all National Police Week events here in Washington, D.C., We'll have some 20,000 or more officers, survivors, and citizen supporters from around the country joining us. Um, tonight's uh, Witness to History event, as I mentioned, is conducted in conjunction with the National Law Enforcement Museum. Now, right now, we're a museum without walls. Uh, we have not built the National Law Enforcement Museum. Congress gave us the land in the year 2000. They passed a law giving us the land right across the street from the National Memorial to build the first ever National Law Enforcement Museum. Uh, we've raised approximately $58 million in private contributions to build that museum. Uh, the total cost is $102 million. So uh, just in January this year, we were able to secure the tax-exempt uh, revenue bond financing to uh, complete the financing of the museum, thanks to the D.C. government issuing those bonds on our behalf. And I'm very pleased and proud to say 
that just yesterday, very timely, yesterday, uh, official construction started on the National Law Enforcement Museum. <laughs> And that means that uh, mid-2018, 28 months from now, basically, we will have uh, the museum open and uh, ready for business. So I look forward to that day with all of you. Um, now I want to get on with tonight's program. Uh, and I'm going to let uh, our moderator and, and the panelists introduce uh, themselves. But I will introduce our moderator, uh, Dr. Nathan Jones. Uh, very pleased and proud to have him. He's the assistant professor in the Security Studies Department of Sam Houston State University outside of Houston, Texas. Um, he specializes in studying drug violence in Mexico, so who better to moderate tonight's discussion. Uh, as a graduate student, in fact, Dr. Jones spent a year in Tijuana and uh, Mexico City researching the drug cartel at the center of tonight's discussion. So. Uh, uh, at this time, uh, Dr. Jones, I'm going to turn the program over to you and uh, have at it. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Craig. I want to thank the National Law Enforcement Museum uh, and the Memorial Fund for putting together this event, Target for sponsoring. Uh, they put together an amazing panel. And I want to say, uh, this is deeply personal for me, uh, one of the panelists on here, Steve Duncan, was uh, the guy who really gave me my first break in terms of uh, knowing what the law enforcement side of the story was once I decided to do my research on the Adiano Felix organization, AFO. You're going to hear that a lot. Uh, I know Washington, D.C. is acronym happy. So if you hear AFO, now you know what it means. Uh, Ariano Felix organization, that's the Tijuana cartel, sometimes referred to as the Cartel Ariano Felix. Um, so as Craig mentioned, I did a year of field work, an academic year in Mexico City and Tijuana in the 2010-2011 period. And uh, I just want to say that the, the men on this, this panel, and also the, uh, there, are, there are women who were also on the task force, men and women uh, on the task force, have some of the greatest integrity, uh, the greatest honor, and are really kind of you know, my personal heroes. And I, I think that's a really important thing to, to bring out. Um, and I've been honored uh, to, to be asked to moderate. I'm going to do a brief intro, um, but what I want to do at first is have each of the men on this panel uh, introduce themselves. So maybe we could start with Juan, and maybe you could uh, mention yourself, your, your name, your agency, and also uh, briefly your role in the, uh, the task force. Good evening. My name is Juan Martinez. Can you hear me? Uh, I've been with DEA for about 20 years now, and I've, 13 of those years I've worked specifically in Tijuana. Uh, specifically working the Ariano cartel. Obviously, every time any successes that were had uh, during this investigation, it was a team effort. And not only with DEA, we had very many uh, other law enforcement agencies like FBI, HSI, or Customs back then, uh, U.S. Marshals, to name a few. And there's plenty of other people who deserve a whole lot more credit than at least me. Because uh, it's just a uh, Amazing to work with so many great people. At the end of the day, I'm just happy that I've survived the years that I did in Tijuana. I still live there today. I'm the resident agent in charge of the office in Tijuana. And uh, I've seen a, a huge transition from another cartel taking over and another one trying to take over again. And yet, it's different faces, but the same MO. I mean, just the, the human nature of the cartels and the traffickers does not change. Just the faces, and they're actually getting less wise than the older gentleman type cartel, so sorry if I took too long. 
Good evening. My name is Al Hargrove. Um, I first want to point out that uh, I think in the best ties department, I think I clearly win. <laughs> no offense, Steve. I like your tie. Yeah. Nate's a close second. Um, <clears throat> I joined DEA in 1991, retired uh, 2013. Um, during my time with DEA, I worked uh, pretty much the entire time in San Diego, first seven years on the border. So we ran it, this was the years 91 through 98. Uh, so we ran into a lot of the Ariano Felix product as, that, as the concentrated case against the organization was just getting off the ground. So later on when I started working the actual case, we went back to some of the cases we had done out of uh, my previous office and were able to extract uh, bits of evidence from those, which at the time we, we didn't know were going to be significant. Um, in, 2000, in 1999, I went to Tijuana for two years, was stationed there. And 2001, came back to San Diego. Um, so from 1999 until my retirement in 2013, I pretty much focused on the Ariana Felix organization. I uh, did four years, uh, recalled active duty in the Navy. So except for that, um, that was, I, I was focused on the Ariana Felix cartel for that entire time. And it was a, it was a very interesting case. And we're really excited to be able to relate some of it to you guys tonight. Thanks. My name is Manuel Castañón. Um, been with DEA for approximately 17 years. Uh, I started my career in San Diego. Um, and then from 2005 to about 2011, I worked in Mexico. I worked both in Hermosillo, Sonora for about three years. And then I transferred to the Tijuana office and continued working with, with these gentlemen on the AFO case. Uh, I started in 2003. Sorry, I'm jumping around. <laughs> in 2003, I was. Uh, recruited into the AFO Task Force Group 1. And so pretty much the last, since then, been in San Diego, back and forth, uh, with, in Tijuana and back in San Diego, and working on the Ariano Felix Task Force. I'm Steve Duncan. Um, I've been working this particular case since 1993, when a gentleman by the name of Jack Robertson, a DEA agent, walked across the hallway and asked me for help. I provided that help. I was a probation officer at the time. And from that time on, it, uh, it just, it's been a long, passionate, uh, amazing ride. Uh, I've gotten to meet dozens and dozens of hardcore agents like the gentleman here. Uh, what Manny won't tell you is that he was abused because he speaks <laughs> Spanish, he knows, the, he knows the culture, and he had to work twice as hard translating. And just because of the, of the nature of the environment that we're in, Al, spent a lot of time uh, battling terrorism while he wasn't working this case. Uh, terrorism in the Middle East, uh, Al's a Navy SEAL, um, recently retired, and the recipient of some, some huge honors, but they won't tell you that. And Juan Martinez, uh, Juan and I have worked together for, geez, 20 years, maybe close to 30 years. Um, and Juan has always been that 1% of the population, that 1% of the cop that really kicks butt and really protects us and works extra hard. Um, again, I was a PO for 12 years, a probation officer with the County of San Diego. I was in the right place at the right time when somebody asked me for my help with my expertise on one particular gang that um, provided support for the cartel. And since then, uh, I decided to change careers and become a special agent so that I continue to work this case. And I continue to work it, sometimes as a hobby, 
but from 1993 to the present, uh, despite where my agency puts me, I continue to work with these people because I can trust them and I continue to work the case because I, I believe and we need to take down these monsters in order to protect all of us and our children, of course. And what agency are you with? I'm with the California Department of Justice, I'm sorry. <laughs> Want to make sure we got that in there. Sometimes oh. I lose my identity. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going, to, I'm going to read a brief introduction, um, and I've been told I'm not allowed to use really big words, um, so I, I, will, I will do do my best to refrain, otherwise I will get in trouble. You know, Steve will kick me off, and, and uh, he doesn't like that. Um, okay, so uh, the Ariano Felix organization, better known as the Tijuana Cartel, is known for the city it controlled um, for the purpose of trafficking drugs to the United States. It was composed as, uh, uh, as George Grayson, the late George Grayson, who was a great researcher on Mexican drug cartels who passed away in the last year. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, take a look at his work. As he has written in, in some of his books, it was composed of seven brothers and four sisters. Seven of the siblings entered uh, the drug trafficking business. And by the late 1990s, gained a reputation as one of the most uh, powerful and violent drug trafficking organizations in Mexico. As I describe in my book, Mexico's Illicit Drug Networks and the State Reaction, out now with Georgetown University Press. Uh, the history of the AFO can be divided uh, into four phases. The one, the Pax Padrino phase of the 1980s, which I will describe. Uh, two, the territorializing phase of the 1990s. Uh, three, the dismantlement phase of the late 1990s and 2000s. And, the, and four, the reorganization phase from 2010 to today. The Pax Padrino uh, phase is named for Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, known as the Godfather or El Padrino, who is Mexico's top trafficker. As a former police bodyguard uh, to the governor of Sinaloa, his political connections allowed him to become the top trafficker and run a large, uh, run a largely peaceful cooperative system of drug trafficking. There was a brutal exception, however. Uh, the killing and torture of American DEA agent Enrique Camarena in 1985 shocked both sides of the border and led to the elimination of the Mexican version of the FBI, the DFS, Dirección Federal de Seguridad, uh, which had been uh, deeply corrupted. It is difficult to understate the importance of the Camarena event and the US response to it. Some of the men on this panel describe it as their motivation and continue to meet annually with the Camarena family in remembrance of the event. It set a precedent the US law enforcement was off limits for Mexican drug cartels. It also led to the 1989 arrest of the Godfather and his 1991 move to a, max, uh, to a maximum security prison. It was in 1991, as the lore goes, that trafficker territories were divided in Mexico. The Adiano family received Tijuana and Chapo Guzman, who you may have heard of, received Mexicali an hour east. After a number of incidents, the Arianos and Chapo Guzman came into conflict with each other. They tried to resolve their disputes in 1991 in Puerto Vallarta. And after a meeting, the Arianos went to a nightclub where Chapo's men tried to kill them by cutting the lights and firing into the darkened nightclub. The Arianos' bodyguard got them to the bathroom and up an air conditioning duct where they got to the roof and escaped. It was after that that they realized they would need to protect their territory with armed force. I'm going to let these gentlemen talk about the other uh, phases, and uh, hopefully with my questions, we'll be able to bring out the history of the other phases, because um, they can do it much better than I. Better that you get it from the horse's mouth than from me. Uh, I did want to mention three themes before we go into the questions. Um, one, this, this, the Tijuana cartel is particularly interesting to study uh, for, 
First, because it really highlights the importance of law enforcement cooperation at all levels of government. Uh, Southern California uh, is respected among other regions in part because they started uh, putting their heads together and figuring out what was going on fairly early. And I've been to other law enforcement regions where they actually said, those guys do it right. They connect the dots. Before that phrase was popular post 9-11 you know, commission report, they were doing it. Two, binational cooperation. As we're going to highlight with Operation United Eagles, uh, there's definitely a strong binational component uh, that was critical to the success of um, some of the kingpin strikes against the uh, Cartel Ariano Felix. Uh, and three, the AFO is kind of can be viewed as the canary in the coal mine. A lot of the trends that you see happening with other uh, cartels, uh, you know, and we put cartels in quotation marks. Uh, drug a better term is drug trafficking organizations, but that's the popular parlance. Um, they happen in Tijuana with the Tijuana cartel first. That paramilitarization. Uh, a lot of people think of the Setas, but the Setas were in the late 1990s. A lot was happening in Tijuana earlier than that, uh, and also the unintended consequences of some of the kingpin strikes. Because the kingpin strikes were happening there first, with that model for success in Operation United Eagles. Um, you, you also start to see some of the unintended consequences, like increased violence. Um, in, uh, and we see that in 2008 with you know, the, inter, uh, the, the civil war with, inside the cartel with El Teo. Uh, so there's that fragmentation that leads to increased violence. So those three themes um, I, I really want us to highlight uh, throughout this talk. Thanks for listening to and supporting our work here at Precinct 444. We hope Part 1 provided the groundwork for the rest of the series about the Tijuana Cartel and some of the key figures involved in the investigation. Tune back in with us on December 6th for Part 2 as the panelists take us through some key questions into the operations of the Tijuana Cartel and their use of street gangs. Please subscribe to Precinct 444 on your favorite podcasting platform to stay connected and to receive our latest content as soon as it drops. We would love to hear from you. Send in your questions, comments, and feedback to precinct444 at nleomf.org. You can help us make our content even better. The National Law Enforcement Museum is located at 444 East Street Northwest in Washington, D.C., and is dedicated to telling the story of American law enforcement. We expand and enrich the relationship between law enforcement and the community through educational journeys, immersive exhibitions, and insightful programs. Find us online at lawenforcementmuseum.org and stay tuned for more podcast content from Precinct 444. Until next time, stay safe. We'll see you at the Precinct. Precinct.